Welcome back officially to Tani Talks Radio, brought to you by Sheer Enjoyment Radio, powered by Radio.co. This is the show, this is the Sheer, on the weeks where we do an actual Sheer, where we talk some topics for the week for the audience members to keep. Our number again is 520-453-8302, 520-453-8302. We're talking fence this, why the boundary? You want to email us? No problem. Sheer Enjoyment Radio at gmail.com. S H R U R Enjoyment Radio at gmail.com. We could get you on the radio as well. 520 I'm apologizing in advance. I have some major allergies or something going on. My voice is a little different. If you heard the podcast that we did today, the Tonic Talks podcast, we do the DAF, OT, Pirke Avos, and we do. The partial one, and those sounded like really allergic this afternoon. We're a little better now, but we apologize about the allergies nonetheless. Thank you for joining us here on Sheer Enjoyment Radio. Thank you for joining us here on Tani Talks Radio. We have many forums to listen to us, whether it's on the app, Apple Store, or Google Store. God willing, get you to come back. The Sheer Enjoyment Radio app, or whether you're listening on the streamer.radio.co link, or now you can listen on 520-453-8302. 520-453-8302. And now you can listen to us on nakiradio.com as well. Portal.nakiradio.com. Awesome kosher internet Jewish radio player. They have all the great stations in Baruch Hashem, besides the Tani Talks podcast, which we are so happy that they put us on a few months ago. Now they put on Sheer Enjoyment Radio as well. So when we're talking fence this, why the boundary? There's an interesting mitzvah that comes up in the Torah, that comes up throughout our thinking about when we have real estate, when we have a property, and that is called ma'akeh. It is called the fence, otherwise known as the parapet. P-A-R-A-P-E-T, the parapet. The question is, why do we have such a thing? Why why are we involved in having the parapet? Why is there the the parapet? Why do we need such a thing? So when we're involved, when we're making sure that we have this, we, we want to make sure that we are doing this in so we want to make sure that we are doing this as well i just want to make sure that we are actually recording now and make sure that we have our show here on the air and we want to make sure that we are here every week and we're just checking the schedule and the calendar it should be here we want to just make sure it's good so we're checking the logistics of the show one second while we update and make sure we're good so if you're with me, I apologize for that. I just wanted to make sure that everything was going well. I was just reloading our situation over here, but now we're back and we should be good. Anyway, so we're talking about the ma'ake. We're talking about the fence. We're talking about the parapet. Why do we have a fence? Why do we have the ma'ake in general in life? Why the parapet? So good fences make good neighbors. Did you ever hear that phrase, good fences make good neighbors? That is the saying, and that's how it goes. But the question is, what is the idea of the fence? Is there more to it than just boundaries and borders and for safety? We know that a fence around a walkable roof is the idea of the ma'akeh, the parapet, the boundary. It makes sense for safety reasons for installation, but maybe. Is there something more to the idea of the fence? Is there something more involved to having a fence? Let's see. The main Pusik that is the whole starting point for this mitzvah, the whole starting point for this topic, 
is in Devarim. And if you have a type of house or an apartment that you had to install a boundary, you had to install a parapet, you had to install a maca, I'd like to hear about it. Sheer Enjoyment Radio at gmail.com, 520-453-8302. You want to get on the air, we're happy to talk to you. Even if we're doing a topic, even if we're doing a sheer, it's okay. 520-453-8302, and you email us. Otherwise, mute yourself upon entry when you come into the phone line. So let's look at the Pasuk in Devarim. In Devarim, Chav Bet. It says, When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof, you shall make a boundary for your roof, so that you do not bring blood guilt on your house if anyone should fall from it. So you buy a beautiful house, a little house, a big house. There's an extension over your house. An extension where the garage used to be was changed into a den, but it's a flat type of a roof. Do you think that there should be a parapet or a fence on top of the roof? If you said yes, you would be correct. We don't want to have any blood guilt on our hands. We don't want to have any blood guilt on ourselves, on our souls. We want to make sure that it's safe for people around us to make sure that they're actually involved in whatever is going on in our property. So especially when there's a little extension, especially when you have parts of the property, they have to be fenced in. And it's not just about above the garage, above the den. In general, there should be a fence, a boundary for safety reasons. The Gemar Chulin. 136a talks about with regard to the obligation of establishing a ma'akeh around a roof, Rabbi Elias concedes that even joint owners of a roof are obligated because the idea is not just that me, Tani, in my house has to have a parapet, has to have a ma'akeh, has to have a fence, but anyone, even two owners together, have to have the parapet. They are obligated. And Rashi points out on the Pasuk, Ma'akeh, God der saviv lagag, ve'unkul is targim te'yaka, kegon tik shemishamer ma'asha besochol ma'akeh. So the ma'akeh, the fence, what it really means is a fence around the roof. Unculus renders it teka. The fencing is like a casing, a tick, which guards things that are within it. The Ramban points out in Devarim, but it says that you shall make a parapet on your roof. When you shall make a ma'akeh on your roof, the commandment of parapet, of the ma'akeh, is newly declared, or it may be explanatory of the prohibition. Neither shall they stand by idly by the blood of the neighbor. Lo ta'amod damre echa is a very famous mitzvah and commandment in the Torah. And it's not just about the ma'akeh, but in general. You see someone needs help, you got to help them. You see someone that needs rebuke, you have to give them the rebuke also. You see someone that needs anything in life, they need something, you have to give it to them. Don't stand by idly while your friend needs something. And we're going to look at another one later on also. It's about understanding that you can't just stand by idly when they're walking your property, when they're walking by your house, or when they're walking through life. If you can help them, if you could do something for them, if you could give something to them to guide them, to do for them, and to bring towards them, that is what needs to be done. Do not stand by idly while the blood, literal blood, if you're walking on the roof without a without a makam, but blood in general of your neighbor. The Gemara points out in the Yerushalmi, in Talmud Ma'asros, a house that is less than four cubits square, a house that is less than Dalit Amos is free from the obligation of mezuzah and ma'akeh. You have to have the Dalit Amos for it to work. It has to be eight by eight feet. Some say that Dalit Amos by Dalit Amos could be six by six feet, but definitely needs to be a little bit of a substantial amount of area to have it. You need it to be 
that there is some aspect of actual unit involved. That's why we also need a mezuzah. It has to be dollar almost as well. It has to be usable. It has to be actual square footage. But if it doesn't have the four almost, if it doesn't have the four cubits, and again, I apologize about my voice from the allergies or whatever is going on today. If it doesn't have those four cubits, those four amos, it's free from the obligations, from the mechuyiv of being having the mezuzah and the ma'akeh. And then Rabbeinu Bechaya points out in Devarim, what, is there a symbolism, is there a symbol to the ma'akeh itself? The railing on the roof is a symbol of something which embraces all the other things within it. So you have all the aspects, all the area, all the room on top of the garage or top of whatever you have any aspect that it's tall it could be dangerous or if you have a hole god forbid in your property sinkhole you should really put something around it especially if it has that eight by eight feet but when it encompasses something when it has boundaries around something it symbolizes that we're embracing all the other things within it in our lives and we'll talk about this in a little bit in Avos, in our lives a lot of times a lot of things we do a lot of things we should do are things that should be because of boundaries, things that should be because of borders, things that should be because we're embracing other things. We don't do muksa because we're scared of turning things on. We don't want to touch the, the phone because we don't want to turn it on and use it. That's the idea of we're embracing how other things could be involved, how other things can happen. We don't want to even go near Basar Bachal because we don't want to cook Basar Bachal or Nehana from Basar Bachal. We shouldn't even touch them together because we don't want it to be that it leads to other things. A lot of things in life, and Ma'aka teaches us this, a lot of things in life is symbolism of what embraces all the other things within in it. So when we're thinking about the makem, when we're thinking about the parapet, when we're thinking about the boundary, we're thinking about the people and ourselves and our life, how things can be encompassed within it, how things can be embraced within it. We think about the tefillin, for example, and I want to talk about this on another week. We think about the tzitzes and I want to talk about that on another week as well. These things that are actual tashmishe kedusha, tashmishe mitzvah, we're using them involved in a mitzvah, even their tefillin holder, their talus holder, the bag, that we put these things in also have something because it embraces the mitzvah within it. What can we do in our life to embrace the things within it, to embrace the people within it? Mock it to me on some level. Why the boundary? Why fence this? Because when you have the boundary, when you have the receptacle to hold something else, it's making sure to, to encompass different things in life, different aspects in life, and different things that are coming up in our day-to-day life. So when we think about the mock, we think about the boundary, we'll talk about this a little bit. We think about the boundary, we need to make boundaries in our own life. If you know that you have a very weak spot for McDonald's, you can't take the path, even though it's 10 minutes shorter to get home, you can't take the path past McDonald's. You have to put a boundary to embrace the fact that, that McDonald's might be your Achilles heel. That smell is so good, I can't go by that. If someone knows that we should, know, we should never know from any addictions or any difficulties or any fights in life, but everyone has a different melchama, everyone has a different battle that they have raging within them, to one person it might be this, to one person it might be that. Let's say a person has a very soft spot, a very weak spot for alcohol, for drinking, for kiddush. And he's trying so hard not to be involved in the kiddush clubs. But if he knows, if he walks by, if he walks by Charles Street and his friend is there and has a massive kiddush every Shabbos and his friend does the kiddush on the front lawn, you're asking for trouble. 
You want to make sure to have a ma'akeh in your life, not just a ma'akeh on your house, not just a ma'akeh on your property, but a ma'akeh on your nefesh, a ma'akeh on your soul. Take, instead of taking Charles Street, take Dickens Street. Dickens Street in a made-up made town and made-up made streets. And yes, it's Charles Dickens, whatever. One street is Charles and one street is Dickens. So Charles, you have your friend there with a the massive kiddush. You're trying hard to be better. You can't walk down Charles Street. So go down Dickens Street, even though it'll take you five minutes, ten minutes extra. But if you're going to be making a boundary in your life, if you're going to learn about the ma'ake in your life, then take Dickens Street and take a little extra time to get home. If a person knows that McDonald's is going to be the going to be the fall of them, then go the other way that doesn't have the McDonald's, even if it takes you longer. If someone knows that smoking for them, for example, is difficult, is their nisayon, is their battle in their life, but they know that they have an extra hour or two and their friend wants to meet with them to schmooze and catch up and to learn a little bit, learn some pirkeos, learn some daf, but that friend is a heavy smoker and that person is trying to fight that urge you have to make the maka. You got to make the boundary. You have to understand what is the symbolism in your life to embrace the battle that you're going through. Either learn, <coughs> excuse me. Either learn with him when it's a time that he doesn't need to take that that stuff and he doesn't smell like that stuff, or find a different learning partner until you're strong enough, or until he's strong enough to meet with you without that. We have to find the boundaries in our life, and of course. It's difficult for all of us. Of course, we all have our own struggles, our own battles, and we're not going to win every day. We're going to have many falls all the time. You know, the Pusik is a real inspiration for me personally in my own aspects of my own life. And for all of us, we think about the Pusik, Sheva Yipot Tzadik V'Kam. Shlomo Melch teaches us, even the most righteous person falls down again and again and again. So even if you're walking down Dickens Street, at one time you win, but another time you don't win, at least you won that first time. Many times you're able to avoid McDonald's, but that one time you had to smell it, you had to see it, that juicy McBurger or whatever they call it, the quarter pounder with cheese. You had to see it, you had to smell it, but at least other times you didn't. Every time that you could try to take your ma'aka and your life as best you can, that would be a wonderful thing to do. I will say personally that I used to love reading all these different types of books and listen to all these different types of music. And for myself... And my wife, when we got married and, and the years went along and the kids were going to come, we decided that for ourselves, our own ma'akeh would be to have just the Jewish music and just male music. Of course, my wife likes listening to all types of music. Of course, she liked to listen especially to female music, but that's a ma'akeh for ourselves. You know, I would love to read and listen to so many and, re- and be involved in suspense novels and mystery novels, but it can't be that I'm reading these non-Jewish authors anymore, especially when I have kids in the house. We don't want that kind of language and that kind of imagery in books anymore. So we switched over to the Jewish novels, to the Jewish books. That was a ma'akeh for ourselves personally. The Jewish music, and the Jewish books, and we try, when we're watching together, we're trying to find good wholesome things to watch together and if we're finding for kids fun cute things for the kids different ma'akis for ourselves the idea of ma'akis teaches us not just on the house but it has to be a boundary your border patrol if you will of your life of your soul why the boundary it helps you live the life it helps you go through life it helps you go through your days in a more set way in a more structured way in a more safe way in a more productive way so you have to have a ma'akeh for your physical self, your physical property, your physical house. But you have to have a ma'akeh for your spiritual self, your spiritual house, and your spiritual life as well. 
it embraces it in your life. The Sefer HaChinuch points out to us in 546, in order to guard ourselves from injuries and bad accidents, as it is not fitting for a person who has intelligence to endanger himself, therefore it is fitting you should put into his mind all the things that could possibly result in injury. So when you think about the house, you think about how there might be a couple of sinking holes, sinking spots around the property. You think about how there might be uneven aspects to the pavement. We did the driveway a couple of years ago, thanks to generous benefactors and family and whatnot. When we did the driveway, and again, I apologize about the voice and about the allergies and whatnot. When we did the driveway, the, the guy is like, you know what? We're doing the whole driveway anyway. We're doing the backyard anyway. There's a driveway that goes, it's like a two-car driveway in the front and like a two-car driveway in the back. And then there's another piece to the right before the grass piece, before the deck in the back. Baruch Hashem, we have a nice backyard, thank God. So he said, when you're doing the driveway anyway, why don't we fix the sidewalk as well? Because on your property, the sidewalk in front of your house is really your responsibility, which I didn't know many years ago. The sidewalk in front of your house is your property to take care of. If someone's walking on your property, someone's walking on your sidewalk, and God forbid they trip, that's bad news for the Jews, the bad news for everyone. Because it could, God forbid, hurt someone, it could, God forbid, cause an injury, it could, God forbid, cause a trip or a fall. Even if you redo your driveway, there's no way to tell that you'll be, it'll be perfect, and you should make sure to make safe enactments as well. We want to make sure to put it in your mind that we don't want to hurt anyone in any type of way. And that's in a physical way on your property. But also in a spiritual way, if we know that Joe is having a difficult time with the Kiddush Clubs, or we know that Yanko is having a difficult time with the smells, and we know that Shmuel, all made up names, Shmuel is having a difficult time with the smoking, why would we bring Yanko the way past the McDonald's store? Why would we bring Shmuel past the Smokers Club and the Yeshiva? Why would we bring Joe past the Kiddush? You're asking for trouble. You're putting him in a situation that's difficult for them. And everyone has their own challenges. Everyone has their own difficulties in life. But think about Maka. Think about the fence. Think about how to be a fence for others and how to help them in different situations. It's fitting for a person with intelligence not to endanger himself and not to endanger those around him. Put it in your mind to take care of those around you. Maka, why the fence? Why the boundary? In order to have a better life, a more functional life, a more mitzvah sticker life, and a more chesedika life, thinking about how we can help others and ourselves in our own struggles in life, physically and spiritually. Kedushin talks about, in the Gemara, on 34a, what is a positive mitzvah that is not time-bound? Examples include the construction of a parapet, the construction of a ma'aka on the roof. Now, we could say maybe like mezuzah, if you're there 30 days or more, you might have to put it in legally, according to Jewish law, according to how we go about things, but technically, it's not time-bound. It's something that really should be done right away. Not just because it comes at nighttime, it comes on the 15th of Sivan, on the 15th of Nisan. In general, it's something that should be done. It's something that should be put up in your own life. The parapet in life, the maka in the life, why the boundary? Boundaries help us set borders, helps us have our own border patrol in our lives with our neshamos, with our souls, with our bodies to make sure that we take care of going about life the right way for ourselves and those around us. And it reminds me of the two ideas. We talked about one of them before. In Vayikra, it talks about in Perak Yudtet, 
Do not put a stumbling block before the blind. If someone is walking on your way and there's a huge cinder block and literally he can't see, that's the literal interpretation. But really it means, like we talked about the examples a few minutes ago, really it means don't bring Joe, don't bring Yanko, don't bring Shmuel to the situations that they're working on, the situations that are difficult for them, those situations that you shouldn't put them in. You're putting a stumbling block before them. If you could think of other examples, let us know. Sheer Enjoyment Radio at gmail.com. Our phone number is 520-453-8302. 520-453-8302. So if you think of stomach blocks and you hear of stomach blocks in life, it's not just physically putting a cinder block in someone's life, in someone's way. It's not just trying to stumble someone, make someone fall over flat on their face. It's any type of stomach block in life. And if you have a property... You have areas around your house, areas around your apartment building for those who live in apartment buildings, areas around your school or workplace that are dangerous, that are hazardous. How can we go about to remove the stumbling blocks? How can we go about to make sure that it's safe, that it is proper for them to walk, it is proper for them to get around, that it is proper for them to make sure that they don't have dangers? It reminds me of the idea of Lefnei'ivr Lositein Merchot. It also reminds me of the idea we mentioned passing before from Vayikra also Perak Yutet Pasik Tetzayin. Do not stand by while your your fellow's bloodshed is spilled. Literally. Do not stand idly on your brother's or on your friend's blood. Making sure not to have any blood spilled, whether figuratively or literally or metaphorically or in actuality, whatever way, we want to make sure that there is nothing on our hands, nothing on our souls, there's no guilt upon us. We want to make sure we do what we can in our life, spiritually, physically, to make sure we have the proper ma'akeh, the proper boundary, the proper border in our life and in the lives of those around us. How do we make sure to do so? We go about putting proper enactments, putting proper swords and proper filters in our life and proper boundaries in our life. You don't go walking past that McDonald's. You don't go walking past your friend's house on Charles Street. You don't go to the yeshiva where everyone is smoking. And whatever example works for you, whatever example is most important for you, is what you can do. If someone has a powerful, powerful need, a powerful need to gamble all his money away, and he knows on Route 17 on the way up to the to the state upstate, he sees a huge gambling casino in Monticello, right off of the exit, 105A, 105B. If there's a way that he could avoid it, or not see, not look at it, if there's a way that he could go around in a roundabout way, maybe that would be a good market for him. Whatever it is in your life. Whatever it is in your in your path, simple example, someone wants to go on a diet. They feel like they put on a few extra pounds. They feel like they're a bit overweight. So if they're going to walk by and they smell the bakery and they smell the pizza store and they smell the bagel store, how difficult is it for them? How arduous is it for them? How strugglesome is it for them, making up that word? How much of a struggle is it for them? So maybe guide them not to take the main road in our town on the main street is the pizza store, is the bakery, 
is the bagel store, is the sushi meat store, and is another bakery, all on the main street. If someone has difficulty with eating and portion control, do you think it's smart for them to walk on that main street and to smell everything? Do you think it's smart for them to take in the sights of all of those delicious delicacies from the bakery and that really, really wonderful-looking pizza and that really awesome, scrumptious-looking sushi roll? Take the other street. There is another road that also goes up and down the town but doesn't have any streets, doesn't have any restaurants on it. It's a little bit of a, of a go-in-a-back way, but at least it would be a solution. You won't have to smell all those smells. Or take the side streets also. Oftentimes, we pick up my son from school, and Baruch Hashem, we're blessed that he goes to school in our town, in the town school. And sometimes we'll take those side streets. We'll take those side roads. Not only are they more shaded, more shady in a good way, from the sun, but also it's just uh, off the beaten path. We get to see the different streets and uh, it's more trees and whatnot, less loud. And we won't see all the stores. So a guy like that can go through those ways, can make sure not to be tempted by those things that are his struggle. If he's trying for Weight Watchers or he's trying for a keto diet or for Atkins or he's trying for the the calorie counter or taking out the carbs, whatever, the protein diet, whatever he's doing. If we want to avoid the pizza store, we want to avoid the bakery, we want to avoid the sushi store. And I'm just giving an example from my own town. We want to avoid the Chinese store. They're all literally on the same main road. Isn't that crazy? And they're all within a couple of blocks of each other. So you want to avoid that, then just go on a different road. And then you can win that struggle for that day. You can make sure that it won't be troublesome for you. You can make sure it's not difficult for you. You can win that with using your ma'akeh in your life. So when we think about you have a mechoya for your friend. You know he's struggling. You know it's difficult for him. Natanal needs some help with the weight. He needs some help with the triggers and the stimuli of all the food and the restaurants. So let's go on the other road. Let's go on the wood road instead of on the main road. Let's go on the side streets instead of the main road. Come, let's make a walk out of it, Natanal. How wonderful would that be? Because we want to make sure not to have that stumbling block in front of them. We want the boundary in life to help them get through their struggles, to help them get through their difficulties. If you know someone that you've helped, that you see, if you yourself have these things and would love to have help, we're happy to hear from you. Radio at gmail.com 520-453-8302 520-453-8302 You could call us, you could email us, and you could listen in on the app. We're also now on the Naki Radio app. We have the Sheer Enjoyment Radio channel now. Thanks to the wonderful people at Naki Radio. We have the Sheer Enjoyment Radio app on Apple. Thanks to Apple and Radio.co. We had the one on Google. It encountered a little bit of a glitch. We're trying to get it back up. And of course, you can listen at streamer.radio.co. And you can listen on our phone line, which is the way we started all those months ago, a year or two ago by this point. 520-453-8302. 520 the same for Achenach points out also in 546. We want to make sure that in the commandment, in the mitzvah of the parapet and the makkah, we want to remove the stumbling blocks and obstacles from our dwelling places. And about this it's stated, you shall make a makkah for your roof. And the language of Sifri, you shall make a makkah, is a positive commandment. is a mitzvah saseh. Because we actively have to think how we can help how we can use the boundary. Why we're using the boundary to help ourselves 
and those in life live a better, more full, more Jewish, more beautiful, more Mekadish life in our life with mitzvahs and chesed and Torah learning as much as we can. It is a positive commandment to do so. The Gemara talks about in Baba Basra on 2b. Rav Nachman says that Shmuel says, if one's roof is adjacent to another's courtyard, he must make a ma'ake around the roof, four cubits, especially if you're adjacent to another courtyard because we want to make sure to be safe. We want to make sure that we're careful. If you're right next to the courtyard and you have an extension into that courtyard, how easy would it be to fall over and to stumble and, God forbid, break a leg, break a foot, break an arm, break a finger by falling off into the courtyard? You must make the ma'ake around the roof for four cubits. The Sefer Chinuch also points out, they said in the Sefer, you should make a makkah for your roof. It's a positive commandment, and you should not place blood in your house as a negative commandment. Make sure to do the positive to outweigh the negative. Do the good to outweigh the bad, which is what we want to do in life in general. We want to make sure to do much good and not do any bad. The makkah is not just physically for the house. It's spiritually for your soul. It's spiritually for the souls of those around you. Again, I talked about before how two small things we did in our life years ago. We got rid of all the music, and we switched over to Jewish music, and we found bands that cover non-Jewish songs. Even though we don't listen to non-Jewish songs, we could tell that it's a cover. And we switched over to the Jewish books. And that was two simple ways for us to be able to do so. And we switched over, we, 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 we try to find different things that we could watch and be involved in. And also there's the Jewish audiobooks we're trying to get started. That's still an initiative at Yidpod at jewishpodcast.fm that we're hoping that will happen in the future. But different ways, just a simple make. If you get rid of the, the terrible music, really terrible music in, in, in the culture, in society, you already cleanse your soul, you already cleanse your ears, you cleanse your mind. So much music has so much expletives and so much bad language and so much bad themes, so much bad content. You get that ready, you're already purifying yourself. And so many books, also unnecessary language, unnecessary elements and content. You switch over to the Jewish, you're cleansing yourself. You're giving yourself a maka, you're giving yourself a border patrol in your life to clean up your life. So why the boundary? Because it'll help clean your life. It's a fence not just for your house, it's a fence for your soul. It's a fence for your neshama. It is a fence for your positive listening and your positive being in this life. Make sure if you're on the phone line to mute yourself. Make sure to please mute yourself on the phone line. We are at 520-453-8302. If you're on the phone line, please make sure to mute yourself. We can hear you. If you're listening on the app, thank you very much. Sheer Enjoyment Radio on the Apple app. You could also listen on the Google app, which should hopefully be up and running again. And these days, we're also brand new on the Neki Radio. Wonderful Jewish kosher internet music player. I recommend everyone has one in their home. I love ours. I'm a huge fan. We have a channel now, Sheer Enjoyment Radio. You can get it at portal.nakiradio.com, N-A-K-I. And we have a channel right there. You can listen live to our show and you can listen to the previous recordings that we got willing to put up afterwards. And of course, you can listen to the streamer.radio.co link as well. You could also email us, cheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com. And our number is 520-453-8302. So we're talking the parapet. We're talking the makem. We're talking about how it's not just for your house, but it's for your soul. It's for your neshama. It's for your life. I gave two simple examples how in your life, in yourself, you're supposed to make sure 
what you could do in your life to have the boundary. If Yankul or Shmuel or Joe are walking out of the way, we talked about if you're just joining us, if they're on the way and one person has a smoking problem, one person has an alcohol problem, one person has a smelling the non-kosher stuff, which could lead him to eat the non-kosher stuff, God forbid, because that's his struggle in life. Everyone has their own struggle in life. You might not know it, but they do. Behind closed doors, everyone is struggling with someone, something, excuse me, because you don't know, but there's no perfect person under the sun. Even Kohelis talks about that. There is no tzaddik under the sun that doesn't sin, that doesn't have difficulties to work in. Please make sure to meet yourself on the 520-453-8302 phone line. So everyone has what they're working on in their life. And when we want our life to be more functional, as an OT, an occupational therapist, I talk about this all the time on the OT show. I think about this all the time. What can we do to make our life more kadosh, more functional? We can find elements to put as a ma'akit, to put as a boundary in our life. We got rid of the music and switched over to Jewish music, a simple thing. We got rid of the books, switched over to Jewish books, simple thing. And we're hoping to get those Jewish audiobooks as well. We're hoping that'll come as well in the future. That's a Yidpot initiative that we're working on. But different things to make a maka. If Shmuel's on the way and you're walking with him, if I already forget the names, if Joe is on the way and I forget the la- and Yankel's on the way, we're going to help them. We should help them, no matter what their struggle is, because we don't want to be the ones that have the dam on our hands. We want to make sure that we're not standing by. Make sure not to put the stumbling block before you. Lo, lo. We don't want to make sure that there's a stumbling block. We want to make sure that we are not the ones We want to make sure that we are the ones that help. And in, in general, in life, we want to make sure that there, there is a way to have the Ma'akeh. We want to make sure that there is a way that there is a Ma'akeh in our life. And we want to make sure that there is a way that we see that. If you know ways to help others, and you personally have helped others, we'd love to hear from you. Email us. Send us a message at sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com. I did mute everyone on the phone line just because in my ear it was getting a little too loud with the buzzing. But when it comes to different things, we'd like to hear from you. Sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com. Our number is 520-453-8302. And we're on the apps. And we're on the Naki Radio as well. And the streamer.radio.co link. So we have some sources to think about as well. Sefer HaChinuch talks about if you leave the the roof or a pit without the makeh, you're in big trouble. You're violating the positive commandment. You're violating the negative commandment. You shall not place blood in your house. You have the ability to save people. Don't make it that you're hurting people. If you build the parapet, you build a makeh for your roof, there's a special commandment who has sanctified us. The commandments, you command us to make a parapet. You commanded us, we make the parapet. So make sure to make that maka in your life, in your soul, in your surroundings to help your friends and to help yourself with whatever anyone is struggling with in their life. The Gemara Chulin talks about a 136a. Hashem says, if a man falls from there, indicating that wherever the danger of falling from the roof exists, there's an obligation to erect a maka. And I would go further to say, not a rabbi or anything, but I would say that the extension goes that you make a mock in any aspect of life. If there's a danger of your friend falling from any type of roof, whether it be the roof of gambling or the roof of alcohol or the roof of smoking or the roof of eating, overeating, or the roof of this or the roof of that, whatever his roof is that he can fall off the cliff, you have an obligation as his friend, as a fellow Jew. Call Yisrael Arabim Zelazel. What are you doing? To help him. What ma'akeh are you putting up to save him? 
from falling from whatever roof he has. The Gemara Chulin says, put up the Baka to fa- protect him from falling from whatever roof he has. Whatever roof he has. If someone is struggling, and there's so many things that people struggle with. My wife and I are actually reading a book now. These fascinating stories. The Layers Project put out this book, and, we, and there's a like 30 stories, and each story is heart-wrenching and tragic and very difficult. Thank God a lot of times there's positive outcomes. But right now we're working on a story we just started. We try to read a couple of pages throughout the week. Throughout the weeks, this story of a person that had so many difficulties, so many struggles, so much tragedy. She felt alone and she felt difficult and she would hurt herself and self-harm herself and have anorexia and bulimia all because she needed she needed to, to have a more functional conduit. What are we doing to help the different people in our lives? God forbid we see anything like that. But we see that Joe and Yankel and Shmuel and all these people have these different things. Can we help them? Can we take them off of that cliff? Can we take them off of that roof? Can we put up a market for them? Can we put up a fence for them? And thank God there are beautiful organizations and wonderful organizations like Oh Hell. And there are many ones like, I can't even think of them offline. I know there's a Nefesh one. And, uh, and there's a Rafua one. There are different organizations that are much better at this, much, much better at this than a lot of us. They've trained professionals and they have hotlines and whatnot. But mental health issues are abounding all over society, unfortunately, and physical ailments and physical disabilities, physical things. There's so many things. And everyone really would benefit from talking to someone. I myself personally actually talk to someone once a week and I find it extremely helpful. It's like a lifeline. I reach out to them because everyone has something to deal with. A lot of us don't have closure to different things in life. I actually don't think I had closure from my dad and my brother passing when I was younger. So this is one of the many things that I work on to, to try to work on. But when we have reasons and ways to get upon it, that's also for me, that's a marker for myself, putting up a fence to make sure that I can embrace myself and catch myself and make sure I have the support that I need every week to talk to someone. And of course, talking to your spouse and friends are excellent, but a trained professional, there's nothing better. So how do we make sure to take care of people? We shouldn't have to read about it in a story of someone that had literally self-injurious, self-harm behavior, which is like one of the biggest hallmarks of things we learned about in psychology and at OT school, especially in BPD, borderline personality disorder. There's so many disorders. I was actually waiting for the train today, and I saw someone running around the train, and he was screaming, literally screaming and flailing. And there was not a single person that was helping this person. Ordinarily, before college, before grad school, I would have said, this guy, what is wrong with this guy? What is he doing? With all the years, with my mental health field works, my mental health experiences, and just from life experience, obviously, he has a major mental health illness, and he's not getting the help he needs. He can't control it. He can't help it. It could be schizophrenia. It could be he's hearing auditory hallucinations. It could be he has visual hallucinations, seeing things. It could be even olfactory. He's smelling things. Who knows? This person is very mentally disturbed, unfortunately, and and with the with the dehospitalization that happened throughout the the late 20th century, and all of them were let on the streets. Unfortunately, we see a lot of them, and that's a major problem we talked about in school as well. But what do we do if there was something like that, someone like that in our schools, in our schools, what would we do to help them? What would we do? And I don't have the answers. I'm just putting it out there that we have to think about it. What would we do to give a maca to that person? Can we find them a safe place? Can we find them a safe space? Can we find them somewhere to be, someone to be with to help them to try 
to, to get them better, to try to give them the therapy they need. And everyone has their struggles on any level. But Chulun tells us, if someone is on the roof, someone is on any roof, someone is on any cliff, how are you going to talk them down? How are you going to save them? How are you going to put a fence around that roof to make sure they don't jump, they don't fall, and they don't have difficulties? I actually came across a terrible story the other day where... I don't know where it came from. I was looking into different things and different jobs and whatnot for the Luach job, the wonderful community Luach WhatsApp job that we have. And it came across a story, a terrible story of this lady who jumped off, lower lady, we should never have such things, a lady who jumped off a 20-foot story building even though she had a great social life, even though she had a lot of friends, a great job, a great apartment. But somehow, somewhere along the line, Someone missed the red flag. Someone missed the red signs. and Someone missed it. And it was a tragedy of utmost proportions. And such a young life was, was gone because it just wasn't able to be fixed. And I don't have an answer to why this happened or it wasn't preventable or whatnot. But if she had such a great life, such a wonderful life, what was going on under the surface? Did she have massive depression? Did she have a child and have postpartum depression, which is a very invisible illness that people don't even think about, don't even talk about? Did she have SAD? Did she have seasonal affect disorder, especially in the winter? What happened in that story? How could it be someone that was so actively social, involved in Jewish causes and philanthropy, had friends, had a great apartment, a great job? What happened? It couldn't be an accident. They went up and they looked and it literally had to physically jump over the gate. Talk about a gate and a fence. Talk over the fence and jump over the fence to get there. Such a tragic story. But on a much smaller level, Lahavdil, there are people on very small edifices, small cliffs, small roofs that we got to talk them down from. What are you doing, man? You're going to throw your whole life away just because you want to run to the Cayman Islands? What are you doing, man? That's a big cliff. But what are you doing, man? You're going to walk into the McDonald's and have a cheeseburger? Smaller cliff. Is it worth it, man? You're going to spiritually defile your, your gastronomic system just to satisfy the need for a cheeseburger. And everyone has their own fight. You can't minimize different things. Everyone has different fights. Some people might be addicted to their phone or to the internet or to gambling or to alcohol or to whatever. Everyone has difficult things. But when it comes to life, these are very difficult things to think about. But these are very difficult things that happen. And when we think about a fence, fence this. How could we fence different things in life to help people, to talk people down? to get the boundary in life, in our own life, and in the life of those around us. If you don't put up the parapet, you're in violation of what you could have done to help them. The Chizkuni points out, even if you had a roof and the old roof collapsed, you must replace it with a new one. Especially like in the Holy Land, when we conquer the Holy Land, you take over a house, you make sure to have the proper rail, the proper fence. So you take your friend on the way. You bring him, instead of to Dickens Street, you bring him to... to Henderson Street, but you forget to mention that on Henderson Street, Shlomo also has a kiddish, but not of the same proportion as his friend on Dickens Street. Is that any much helpful? Is that any more helpful? That's as if you put up a bad rail with a less bad rail. You can't do that. You have a bad fence, you put up a better fence. You don't put up a worse fence or a fence of equal badness. If you can't bring him to Dickens Street, but then you bring him to Henderson Street where there's another kiddush, you're not helping him. You're not putting up the right makkah. You're just putting up a, a wobbly makkah and you're still going to hurt him. You're still going to make it difficult for him. So you don't bring Shmuel 
to, and I, I'm already mixing up the names, I apologize, we made up the names to begin with, you take Shmuel, instead of seeing the yeshiva that has 100 smokers, but you take him out for a nice bite of eat, but you bring him to a smoker section of a restaurant, is that any more helpful? So instead of bringing him to 10 kids smoking, you have 3 or 4 people, that's still way too difficult for him. Fence this! Don't replace it with a wobbly fence. Replace it with a real fence. Take him to a, a smoke-free environment where not even hookah or whatever, these other bad things are not allowed at all, but a nice, clean environment for him to work in it. Make sure you put up a fence. It's a better fence, not another wobbly fence. In the collective response to the chaplains, they talk about how the idea of the command to put up the parapet around the roof of the house, it's talking about losasim damen bebelisecha. We don't want to have the blood in our hands. We don't want to have the blood in our houses. It's a key verse for many later discussions. And the Maria Cheska points out in Boratius, when you build a new house, you make that parapet, you make that market, it talks about haughtiness. Don't raise your heart, but put a limit on it. That's one point. Another point, you shall not place blood or it can also mean money, although that's not the plain meaning of the verse here, in your house, when you ask for money for charity, don't say, I have spent the money that I have had to build the house. Because we need to make sure to, to do whatever we can to help everyone around us. Yes, you need to spend on the maka. Yes, you need to spend to help the guy, whatever we can in our own life. But don't say that you don't have any money left to do other things as well, because we want to save people from different aspects. We need to make sure to do what we can to help the people. And I thought about two Pirkei Avos Mishnas that really apply, in my opinion, to Maka as well. Right away, in the beginning of Pirkei Avos, and we invite you to join us. Of course, we have the TTPA, the Tani Talks Pirkei Avos. We're finishing up Season 5 now. We're in our last chapter, Chapter 6, and then we take our summer hiatus. But God willing, Bleed Editor and Mirza Shem will come back in the September the fall season, we like to do it fall to the summer, and we'll bring another commentary, hopefully God willing, so please join us on our journey, one Mishnah a day. But here in the first Mishnah, Pirkei Avos, Moshe receives the Torah from Sinai, very famous, transmits it to Yoshua, Yoshua to the elders. What is one of the main things they say in the first Mishnah of the entire Pirkei Avos? If it's the first thing that's mentioned, obviously it's greatly important. They said three things, all the way to the men of the Great Assembly. Be patient in justice, raise many disciples, and make a fence around the Torah. Asus Yagla Torah. Put a fence around the Torah because a fence on the Torah is a fence for life. A fence on the Torah is a fence for life. You put a fence, you put up a lifeline for yourself and those around you. It's not just a physical fence, it's a metaphorical fence, it's a spiritual fence to make sure that you live the best life you can. The rabbis knew what they were doing when they enacted muksa. I don't want you touching the phone. I don't want you making a call on Shabbos. I don't even want you touching the phone. That's my fence the rabbis talk about with muksa. I don't want you kindling a fire. I don't even want you turning on a light, which could be some aspect of kindling a fire. I don't want you even putting the phone on auto answer. We want it to be that there's a fence for life because a fence for Torah is a fence for life. And that's one of the first things they say in Pirkei because it's so fundamentally important. We have to have fences for ourselves, fences for our friends, and fences for others in life. Also in Pirkei later on, Rabbi Akiva says in 3.13, Paragimel, Mishnah Yudgimel, Rabbi Akiva said that there are so many aspects to life we have to watch out for. Too much merriment, too much frivolity leads to immorality. Tradition, though, 
the Soros Yagla Torah, tradition, listening to the rabbis, listening to the Torah way of life, is offense to the Torah. Ma'asros Siyagla Osher. A tithe, giving charity, is really offense for wealth. And how do we know that? The Gemara talks about, the Talmud talks about how the only time you're allowed to test Hashem is with tzedakah. Fascinating. The only time you can actually test Hashem is with tzedakah. So you give tzedakah and Hashem says, I think it's in one of the Nevi'im, Hashem says, you give tithes, you give tzedakah and tell, and, and you'll see if I won't open the storehouses and the windows of Shemaim to give you the, the, the money and to give you what you need. Because they say, why does it say aser to aser? And one of the parshiot that we had in the past couple of months, why does it say aser to aser? A double language? You could have just said aser. Because the Gemara points out homiletically, aser bishfil shetit asher. You give tzedakah so that you will become wealthy. You won't lack for anything if you do tzedakah properly. And tzedakah doesn't just mean money. I believe tzedakah really means with resources, with items, with time, with giving to others. Rabbi Feinstein is quoted to have said that tzedakah should be also with your time. Just as you should give 10% of your money, you should really give 10% of your time. And I believe it should be your resources and everything. That's why we're very big fans of the FLL in our house, in our town. We give lending books, the Jewish books of for kids and adults for free. And that's what we do. That's one of our things that we like to do. People need a cot. I just gave a cot away a cot last week for someone for free, of course. It's no brainer. What can we do to help? Yad, Yad Leah came in the fall. We gave away three bags of clothing. It should be a no brainer. Give away things, not just tithes and that's a fence for wealth. And wealth doesn't just mean actual millions. I believe that wealth could be some sort of an explanation where we use Pirkei Ovas one Mishnah to explain another Mishnah. Who's a really wealthy person? And Dalad Aleph Ben Zoma teaches us, If you can give tzedakah, and you can give your time, you can give your resources to other people, you can really be that type of wealthy where you really appreciate what you have. You can really... Be content with your lot. And who's a wealthier person than someone that's actually really content with what Hashem gave them, with what Hashem put in their life? You think the really happy person is the one that has three cars in his driveway and a house and a half to maintain? Wealth isn't just that you have a lot of money in the bank. Because you could have a ton of money in the bank today and it could be gone tomorrow. I like to say happiness and memories are one of the only most important things in life. Money comes and goes. But happiness and memories, that's what remains. That's what's important. Money really is fluid. You could have it today, it's gone tomorrow. That's not really the measure of wealth of a person, even a mansion. What happens if his whole business goes up and then he moves into an apartment? Is he really wealthy anymore? Wealth can't be measured in materialism because materialism is gone after 120 anyway. The really wealthy person is someone who is content with his life, with his lot, with his with his. The, what Hashem gives him. And if you give tzedakah, that could be a way to be really content with what you have because you know whatever Hashem gave you is what you deserve. You can't control how much money you make. You could put your nishtalis in, you could do the job, but Hashem will really decide who advances in the law career, who becomes head doctor, who becomes the head of the hospital, and who becomes greater or not in different jobs. That's why I think it's interesting on some level. I work for the city and all OTs make the same money. Uh, granted, after a couple of years, you make more and more and more, but all of us started the same. We all make the same, and I'm not a fan of communism, obviously, but at least we're all in the same starting plane. So 
It's not about how much money you have. It's not about how big your house is or how many cars you have. Tithes could be a way to teach that to us also. And that's the really wealthy person. And that's a fence for wealth, giving tzedakah. What's a fence for abstinence? The vows. But we don't do that really nowadays. Bleed under, bleed under, we should always say. We do a tarsadarm towards Rosh Hashanah time. And a fence to wisdom is silence. Silence is really golden. You want to be wise? Don't always talk so much. There's a famous quote, It's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and prove everyone that you are a fool. You're supposed to think twice. Think three times before speaking, before being involved in different things, because fences are so important for life. Why the boundary? For you, for those around you, for people in life. It really will make your life really work much better. Chabad points out to us, from Rabbi Posner. When when we see how many laws are there in life, at first we say, why, why do the rabbis make so many laws? But really, they do the fences to protect us because they love us and they want us to see us succeed. You want, is, is Yankov really your friend? Is Shmuel really your friend? Is Joe really your friend? Do you want to see them succeed in their struggles and their fights in life or do you want to see them fall? You want to see them fall, then bring them down Dickens Street. Bring them down Henderson Street. You want to see them succeed, bring them down Charles Street without the kiddush. You want to see them succeed? Don't lead them down the McDonald's way. Don't lead them down the way to the smoker's pit. Don't lead them down the way to the gambling den if these are the things that they're struggling with. We have the ability to help people. The laws really can help people. There's also an analogy that Chabad points out. You ensure your wealth. You ensure your house. You ensure your health and things that are important to you. You don't keep your money under the mattress, right? You put it in a bank. Right? You don't put your health up to the dogs. You, you get an insurance plan. You make sure that you can take care of your family, things that are important to you. You don't say that I trust myself not to fall down the steps. I'm confident I will not crash my car. These are things that are too important to leave to chance. The Torah is the same way. Every commandment is precious, so precious, that we set up all kinds of precautions to make sure we don't accidentally transgress all types of fences. Not only that, but the very fact that we set up all these precautions show ourselves and God how precious the mitzvahs are to us. We only ensure things that are really worth something. That's why there are so many laws and so many rabbinical enactments, not because they're trying to punish us, not because they're trying to do anything wrong. Not because they're trying to hurt us, God forbid. When we're kids and teenagers, oh my gosh, why this, not this, not that? As we get older and a little wiser, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit wiser, we see that the rabbis are trying to help us, not hurt us. Chabad also points out from Arya Sitran, there's a theme that a person was responsible for deaths caused by negligence, God forbid. That's the idea of the ma'ake. And it's also spiritual death. So you know that you could cause your friend to go down a very bad wormit hole, a rabbit hole, by bringing him down the wrong street, you can cause spiritual death to him. But we don't want to be negligent in a physical way or a spiritual way. It says in Devarim, when you build a new house, you make the gar- the rock, the makeh, the guardrail. You don't want to cause this blood to be spilled, lest someone fall from there. The guardrail must be sturdy. It must be at least 10 tefachim high which is like 36 inches, some people say, like three feet or so. The Torah also considers one responsible for safeguarding one's own health and well-being and of those around him. As the Torah says, beware and watch yourself very well. Shmart nafshacha. 
That means you have to eat right, you have to sleep right, you have to exercise and do what you can to take care of yourself. In connection to this, we present there's a different ideas guarding the life and health of oneself and others. You have to put up a guardrail around the roof. We don't want anyone to fall off the roof or get hurt or die, God forbid. That's the maka. But you should also have a guardrail around your property and spiritual guardrails for your friends and yourself and your family as well. The guardrail must be sturdy and at least 10 tvachim high, 3 feet around. If it's not used by people, maybe you don't have to, but still a good idea. When erecting the maka, you say that blessing, Baruch HaDashem, Elkinim Al-Chalam, Shekin Shalom, Putting up that parapet, putting up the guardrail. One who is putting it up for someone else should conclude the best, the blessing, Al-Asiyah Maka. And it's also talking about a proper sturdy fence around a ditch that's on one's property, even if it has water in it. This obviously includes a swimming pool, so make sure to be safe and careful. We'd low Elena know many stories. We should never know from such things, chas v'shalom. But there are many stories. There's no guardrail. There's no fence. God forbid a kid, a two, three, four, five-year-old so easily can fall in. God forbid. Very terrible stories. We know that story of the lady who, you know, the, the kid fell into the bottom and they thought the kid wasn't going to make it and she prayed and prayed and prayed to Hashem. Hashem, please, please, if you let this child live, I'll do much better. I'll cover my hair. Lo and behold, her kid did live, live and she actually covered her hair and she sells wigs. I think it's Golly's wigs, actually. Fascinating story. Terrible story. Tragic story, but we should only know from good things. You have to have a fence around the, the pool or the ditch. But you might not have to make a bracha over that. And also Chabad points out, when you're making a new house, in a spiritual sense, we're talking about an individual who already has achieved a modicum of spiritual completion. In the past, he made some sort of a spiritual edifice. Having done so, you're ready to go on to bigger and better spiritual degrees and levels, building even newer and greater spiritual dwellings. Gone through trials and tribulations by making this home, this spiritual home, you might think you not have to worry about the future spiritual things, but no. You always have to make sure to protect yourself and take care of yourself and do what you can on a day-to-day basis to have that ma'akam, the new home of your life every day. You can't think to yourself that just because I was good the past few years, I'm okay in the future. When you build a new home, when you build a new life for yourself, every day is a new life. Every day Hashem breathes in us new life, new ability. Every day is a new life, is a new home. You must build it with the parapet, with the makkah. When you embark on a new, higher level of service, you have to make sure to deal with your challenges and your difficulties on a higher plane with the spiritual abode. You have to make sure to erect what you can, the protective barrier to prevent a spiritual fall. Chabad also points out when thinking about the makkah, to build the mock around the roof applies to all houses, not just newly built ones, even if it's a house that comes into your possession, not only if you build it, but the Torah talks about that one because it's talking about an allegory in a way. We can think about the allegory when we come into a new house. When you get married, everyone should be zochet to find their zivug and their beshared if you haven't already, and everyone should be zochet to have children if you don't have children already. Everyone should be zochet to be blessed with only good things, always, now, and always. Happiness, health, and safety for all of us, for my wife, my kids, and for all people we know, friends and family, all over the place. I may have asked Roshana. When a person gets married, they're commencing a new period in life. When you build a new house, the Pusik says, when you get married, begin to build a new house in the Jewish people, you're commencing a new period in your life. You're commencing a new time in your life with new responsibilities and tasks that you haven't faced before. Therefore, you make that ma'akeh for your roof. The stringencies, whatever you relied upon till now, is not going to work because you have new demands in your lifestyle and on your spirituality with new precautions. Preventing one who falls off the roof, new additional involvement 
with difficult things in life and physical things in life, especially in marriage and life, you have to make sure to do what you can to be on a higher spiritual plane than before. That's why we got rid of the non-Jewish music and non-Jewish books on two levels. That's why we give out the FLL, because for us, it's a way to help out others, making sure to be involved in a higher spiritual plane. And there's a more general way also. When you build a new house, when you set out to make the physical world into a house for Hashem. The house is considered new because spiritualizing the physical is a reversal of the order of creation. God made the physical world appear consummately physical. We reveal the inner essence to make it a vehicle for the spiritual. And our involvement with the physical is not for our own betterment, but it's to make the parapet in order to succeed in our mission. And in order to, to not be dragged down into the physicality, we have to make sure to do what we can to stay a little bit apart from the world. We make boundaries, Lines that we can't go involved, make sure that we use the physical to elevate to the spiritual. We make sure to do what we can to be involved in a higher spiritual life. And also, Chabad points out, when we're involved in a new home. In Kisaitse, we talk about if you if you build a new house, you make the parapet. The purpose of the makkah that talks about the Torah we talked about many times is... is physically not falling off the roof, but the spiritual context also tells us that when you're married, your wife is your home. And that's what Rabbi Yossi said in the Gemara. When you build a new home, when you start a marriage, you start a life and you start different things in life, you have to make sure to be involved in a livelihood, make sure your spirituality also stays involved. So when you build that new home, the Torah tells us you have a new lifestyle, different changes in life, and you have different aspects of physicality. Bring that makkah. Bring the spiritual makkah to your life. Make sure to take upon different things how you can be good in life. Make sure that your spiritual is taken care of just like your physical. Make sure to elevate your body as much as you can in your home and in the home of the life that the neshama has in this world in your body. Making sure that you have makas in your life to make sure you're involved in a spiritual life so you can be an abode for Hashem. Because Hashem comes down to the world with what we do. We're supposed to take the physical and elevate it to the spiritual. We're supposed to do what we can to have an impact on the life, an impact on the world with the time that we have. We should all be Zohar 120 years. We want to elevate ourselves and elevate the, wor- the world around us to make sure to do good things with the time that we have. We put measures in place and ma'akas and boundaries in place and borders and fences in place like the sages did on their level on a much higher level in order to make sure that in our home, in our life, that we're doing the right ways, they're doing the right things. And Chabad points out from Yitzhi Hurwitz that we think about the Pasuk of the Fence, we can think about many different levels as we talked about a couple of times. We learn lessons that apply to all of us. When you build a new house, when you leave yeshiva and you leave different aspects of the comforts of growing up in a home, the comforts of being in college or in grad school on some levels, you're involving yourself in a new life, different type of life. We need to make sure to have our fence to make sure that we have the right protection and boundaries in our life, to make sure that we can do what we can. Granted, everyone fights and everyone struggles, and you can have many days that you fall, but at least if we have the fence, then overall, you can have more good days than bad days. We want to make sure that this world is godly. We want to make sure that there's much kadusha in this world, that we're doing our way of, of elevating the physical to the spiritual, elevating what we can. We have to make a parapet in life. We have to make a mock in life, setting boundaries and protections, not to falter, doing the best we can to help those around us. We want to draw Hashem into the world, making it a home for God.
So if we take away from our talks about the idea of the Makan, you're always welcome to send us comments to sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com. You're always welcome to call us at 520-453-8302. You're always welcome to listen and to join us. We think about the Makan. It's not just the physical Makan on your den, on your extension of your house. It's the Makan on your spiritual self. What can you do to make it a more Kadosh life for yourself and those around you? How can we make sure not to have it the person to have lifted evilosite mirchol. How can we make sure that there's no stumbling block for those around us? How can we make sure that physically and spiritually we take care of Yanko, we take care of Joe, we take care of Shmuel? How can we make sure not to have any blood on our hands? The market teaches us, the boundaries in life teach us that we can have an elevated life for safety reasons, for spiritual reasons. We can think about how we could help those around us. We think about what we could do to embrace everything in our life. It's a symbol for how to protect the things in our life and how to make a more functional life, how to make a more spiritual life, and how to make a more elevated kadosh life in our times and in our days and our ways. If we're Zoha in our life, if we're Zoha in our days to make sure to have a proper Makha, to have a proper fence in our life, then maybe we could finally be Zoha to have a peaceful existence, to have a peaceful, wonderful existence where we finally be Zoha to bring Mashiach and to bring this the third base Amigdash speedily in our days. And may that day, in fact, Today, this has been Tani Talks Radio here on Sheer Enjoyment Radio, brought to you by Radio.com. Join us next time, Monday nights at eight thirty, where we talk some topics for the week for the audience members to keep. And I'm your host, Tani.